Every time we praise him, the enemy is defeated in our lives. I know that there is a kingdom assignment to not only this house, but my mission to this house. Because the enemy has tried everything to keep me from here. He's tried to attack me, but I'm still standing. We were called for the whole first quarter of my life in ministry, being up on the tail in Daisy. I was working in, when I branched out, I was working primarily in what's called 1040 Window Nations. And let me first by honoring the prophet, the man of the house, and his lovely wife, the pastor Sarah, and your pastor, and your bishop, and your uh, prophet as well. Let's honor them. Help me honor them before I even shift and do anything. I just got... <laughs> but working in the Persian Gulf and the 1040 Window Nations, the 1040 Window is a geographical location that extends to the equator, north and south of the equator, east and with 10 degrees north and south, 40 degrees east and west. And in that rectangular part of the world, if you were looking at the map, even from a bird's eye view, would be the place where the 10, the five major religions of the world that oppose the gospel the most, where there's the most adversarial activity, where there's the most hostility and resistance to the gospel. It is the part of the world that has the least amount of missionaries. Many regions, no churches, no Bibles. And many of those deep, deep regions, no one going there. No plan in some of the most remote regions to even get there. So my passion was to go to where he needs me the most. At 21 years old. And in that region of the world, the five major religions that are housed are Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, Animus, Judaism. And you'll see, if you ever turn on the news or you look at what's happening in the world and look at things from a biblical worldview, all of the cyclones, terrorism, wars, famine, some of the darkest demonic activity are in that region of the world. It's because the light of the gospel has not dominated, not penetrated, but has not dominated that part of the world yet. So we have, before T.L. Osmond, he wrote me a letter, Pastor, and he said, we have an unfinished task, Patricia. Keep your eyes on the harvest. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into most of the church, especially in the Western world, with a lot of activity but much to do about nothing. But you instead, keep your eyes on the harvest. For the church today has become a social club, he said, in that they're propping up each other's images. You prophesy to me, I prophesy to you. You come to my church, I go to your church. You tell me I'm awesome, I tell you you're awesome. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, this is not wise. For you are comparing yourself amongst yourself. You're measuring yourself amongst yourself. You're commending yourself among yourself. 
And he says, but it's the Lord who commends. And he says, there are regions beyond where you're patting each other on the back. There are regions beyond that have yet to be reached with the gospel. I was the first to bring the gospel to you in this purpose, this kingdom purpose and assignment, that you will become an extension of my reach so that there can be a furtherance of the work of the kingdom of God. In other words, Paul was saying, it's not about us and our titles and our activity. And so we must be reminded today in the hour that we're living in as the church, we must always be able to locate where we are by the fing our finger on the pulse of God and locate where we are based on God's dispensations and God's timetable. And out of all the other people groups and out of all the other ages that have gone before us and those that have completed their task, Many in the last 10 years of our generals, pastor, you know this, prophet, you know, the Reinhard Bonnke, they're gone. T.L. Osborne, they're gone. Billy Graham, they're gone. The late Frederick, Apostle Frederick K.C. Price, they're gone. The late Archbishop Benson Hosa, they're gone. And it is now our time. This is our watch. This is our watch. This is our watch. This is our watch. And so Paul the Apostle, well, let's go even with Jesus. Jesus in the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, the disciples wanted to know in God's dispensation and in God's timetable where they are in cadence with his timetable so that they could be prepared. And Jesus began to share things with them not to scare them, but to prepare them. What did I say? Not to scare them, but to prepare them. And so he used a word that was uh, transtestamental meaning. It was a word that was used in the Old Testament time, and it, the concept and the meaning was brought over by the prophets and used by Jesus in the New Testament. That word is a word called planeo. This word, when Jesus used it, he used it as an introduction and a way of locating as a type of a GPS system so that they could know where they are and when the timing would be. Because they wanted to know what shall be the, the return of your coming, the sign of your tummy, coming, what shall be the end of the age? And one of the things we confuse sometimes, we confuse the end of the world with the end of the age. There will never be an end of the world. There will never be an end of the world. There will never be an end of the world. There will be an end of the age. For he gave us dominion over this world. And as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. The Reverend Bible tells us in Psalm 115, 15, and 16, the heavens of heaven belong to God, but the earth, the earth, he has given to the sons of men. I heard the man of God say, once God gives something, nothing can be taken from what God has given. God has given the earth to men. And so what he told them, and we share it with the ladies, it's a word that is called planeo, this cross-testamental word. And this word planeo is a word meaning what you will see and the way you can tell where you are in the timetable. There will be mass planeo, 
not just in individual people, but it will bleed into society and culture and politics and education. When you see it bleeding throughout this part, you will know, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. And I think it's so awesome that he, in another reference, he used the word, where we get the word cardio, which where we get the word heart. And he says the way you can tell is that this type of darkness, he uses it in the book of Romans, Romans 1, when he talks about men being reprobate and their minds being given over to darkness, he uses the word, what we get the word cardio. Interesting, so wise that Paul would use that, the word, that we get the word cardio, because cardio is where we get the heart. What does the heart do? The heart does what? Pump blood. Where does the heart pump blood to? What part of the body? What part of the body? The entire body, right? So he says, what's going to happen is you're going to see this type of darkness pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping to this part and that part and this nation and this church and that region and school system and education and fashion and music and everywhere and everywhere and pumping and pumping and pumping till it infiltrates the whole body. When you see it get like this, and when you see the type of delusion, the type of delusion that just makes no sense, the type of delusion that, now he says it's one thing when you see it in the world, but when you see that kind of delusion start coming in the church, oh, you're in the last of the last of the end. There are 2,500 prophecies in the Word of God, and out of the 2,500 prophecies from Genesis to the maps, 2,000 have already been fulfilled. So if you just measure things, even in the natural, which let me drop this, because I've been listening very much in the Holy, to the Holy Spirit in the back. And even when I was worshiping here, let me show you how awesome this church is and how prophetic this church is. That's why you saw me falling apart in worship. That is the song that I sing in my private time with God alone when I'm in the holy of holies with him and he would have that song right before I get up to minister he will always be holy he will always be holy his name is the highest it stands above them all all power all dominion all positions, all political parties, are you hearing me? All hierarchies, they will, every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. When working in that 1040 part of the world, I learned that the enemy tries, to, he's a bully. And they legislate laws, especially in the Islamic region. My, my, my first quarter training in these 43 years was in those Islamic part of the world where it's punishable by death to convert from Islam to Christianity. And we would go in and smuggle Bibles. We didn't want any electronic age. It's smuggling Bibles and planting underground churches and working in places like Oman and bordering Yemen and Kuwait 
and Bahrain. Just very briefly, and I'm going to come back to I won't leave you. Uh, I remember just hit my mind that in Bahrain, when we were working in Bahrain, there was a sweat camp, and there were these kids in there working in the sweat camps with bleeding hands, and they were child labor, and they would put the food down like a pig trough, and the kids had to eat, and it was just horrible. And, and the way we got into the camp, it was a Pakistani soldier, a Muslim Pakistani that's, uh, security, and God graced us, and God allowed the favor of God to clothe us, that he, he was taking a chance at his life, at his job. I mean, he could have been completely arrested, whatever, and God covered us with favor that he allowed us to come in and be able to minister to those Sri Lankan children and give their lives to Jesus, and we were smuggled out in time and made it alive. I can remember when we were going into uh, not just Kuwait, but into Oman, and we were taking uh, Bibles into Oman, and Apostle Frederick Casey Price, Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption, and How Faith Works, and the Authority of the Believer by Kenneth Copeland and we were trying to take, not trying, never use the word try in the kingdom. We were taking material into the underground church so they could have the word of God and be strengthened. And as we were going in and we got to customs, they'd already told us before we got there that there was a missionary, a team of missionaries had gone ahead of us that got caught bringing in Bible material. And they shaved their heads and gave them life imprisonment. And you know, it's supposed to be punishable by death. And so we're going in, me and Yolanda, my spiritual daughter who's gone on to be with the Lord, and um, when we got to customs, we passed immigrations, but now we get to customs. And while we were in Dubai, in the middle of the night, that's before everybody was going to Dubai. When we were going to Dubai, it was still the previous king. Everybody goes to, you know why people go to Dubai? They go there to buy. I think my jokes are fine. So anyway, stay spiritual, Pat Bailey, stay spiritual. And so listen, so in the middle of the night, she got up and took the materials out of her suitcase, listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. He said, when we were standing, I was worshiping in that song, he said, tell them they're not eternity conscious. Tell them that in this age, you must remain spiritually minded. You must be eternity conscious. That song is an eternity conscious song. Forever and ever, you'll always be forever, eternal, forever and ever and ever and ever, forever to your kingdom. There shall be no end. Holy. It's eternity mindset. What happens is so many of our worship songs and so many of the books we read and so many of the sermons we hear get me my stuff now I want my faith and I want my stuff now name it claim it give it to me now 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 well thank God for what God will do now but he's preparing you for something that's much greater than now you are an eternal being. You are created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, I created you in my image and in my likeness. So your God is an eternal God and you came from an eternal God. So you'll always live eternal, either with him or the one you served. Everybody has it. You know, I think about that. Everybody gets eternal life. Did you realize that? Everybody gets eternal life. The difference is, where do you spend your eternity? Are you hearing me? Satan will be bound for eternity. Those that have chosen the wrath of God and the path of hell, they have eternal life. They have eternal damnation. Are you with me? So going back to Bahrain, Oman, I mean. So we get to the customs officer, 
Yolanda gets up in the middle of the night. She's hearing from the Holy Spirit. She doesn't say a lot to me. She doesn't do a lot of talking. The closer we get to the end of this church age, it's going to be less chatter and more listening. So we get to the customs officer, and Yolanda's in front of me. So they open up the suitcase that she has, and of course, I think the things are still in my suitcase. She never tells me what she's done. So she goes to the customs officer, she's in front of me, and after they open up her suitcase and go through things, no, they didn't open up her suitcase, she was in front of me, they looked at her, waved her on, told her to go. When they get to me, you, open up your bag. And in my head, I'm going, O-M-G. Don't tell me I'm about to have a prison ministry in Oman. You know, Paul did. He wrote two-thirds of the New Bible, the Testament. I'm like, Lord, you don't need two-thirds written. It's already been written. You don't need anybody with a prison ministry. And so he says, open up your bag. What do you have in your bag? And I'm, this is when you know you've got to be anchored in him. And the strength of God and the boldness, the fearlessness that was, was in endeavoring to rise up, but it wasn't at the top yet. It was in my toes at that point. So I said, when they said, what do you have in your bag? I said, things. <laughs> and he said, what things? My things. <laughs> and he says, who are you here to see? Friends. Who friends? My friends. Who are your friends? And then the Holy Spirit, shoo, he says, in that moment, I will put my word in your mouth. My brain didn't have the intellect to think what to say. And if I had done things wrong, our people that we were meeting, the underground church, I could have exposed the whole church and I've been captured. It would have shut the church down. Many of them imprisoned, life, put to death, their family. I mean, they don't, in those days, it was very, very different. And so I said, I stopped like this and I paused to hear from heaven. And I said, who are your friends? And I said, Asians? Asians? We're all Asians. And I stepped back and I said, you know, we, we're Americans. We don't speak English. We speak American. We long have been away from the queen. She, we weren't, didn't stay there long enough to get the English proper. We took some things with us like tea and all of that, but we didn't take the proper English. So he said... We're all Asians. And I stepped back and I said, you know what? You're right. I said, we Americans. You know, we're the most culturally uh, uh, ignorant people. Everybody travels around the world, speaks several different languages. We speak just one language. We got to do better about that. Everybody lines up to try to come to the embassy to come and see America, America, America. I said, and we don't go to the nations like we should. And I should have known better than that. You are Asians. But you know, sometimes in America, when we think of the word Asians, we think of Chinese, Japanese, Filipinos, da, 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 when we think of the word Asians. But when we say Asians, we don't really think that Asians are like the Middle East because it's really not a country called the Middle East. It's really your Arabs. And we never think that Arabs are really Asians. But you really are Asians, aren't you? And by the time he was following all of that, he just said, take your things and go. And I said, but can I promise you one thing? You would think I had enough sense to go, but that's just like women, you know? Women don't always have to be right, but women always want to be heard. And the women said, amen. amen. Man, that's a good cookie right there. So I said, but you know what? Next time I come to your country, 
I'm going to be more culturally astute. I'm going to be more culturally aware and know more about your country and your people. And I said, forgive me. I'll be better prepared next time. Take your things and go. So now Yolanda had gone on ahead of me, and I'm like, huh, Jesus said, I'll never leave you and forsake you. I thought Yolanda was my ace. She ran through, I, like, like roaches when the light is turned on in the middle of the night. <laughs> and so I'm running up to her like, why did you leave me? I'm just, da, da, da. she said, shh, shh. I'm like, Yolanda did it, shh. And so I'm trying to figure out, because as he opened up the suitcase, as he was interrogating me, he's going through the suitcase. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I know those things were in there. So is God blinding him or what? I didn't know. So as we're going out, that's when Yolanda told him, they are with me. I have the things. We shot out. And then when we got outside the airport, I wanted to praise God. And she's like, it's not time to praise God yet. Wait till we get in the car, get off the lot. Now watch this. When we got checked into the room where they had us, because it was night when we entered. The next morning when I'm getting along with God, man of God, I opened up the curtains of the hotel room. And the light was now shining bright. And when I pulled the curtains back in the hotel room, here the hotel was right in front of the Sharia law of court where they had, are you hearing me, locked up in prison and where they sentenced to death those who are converted from Islam to Christianity. The reason why God wants us to understand who we are in him as the church, the ecclesia, who we are, there will be gross darkness pumping, 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 pumping throughout the whole earth is darkness, darkness. But there is no darkness that has the power to put out the light. God gave light the power to dispel darkness. So think with me, if you're in a room and it's completely dark, no matter how deep the darkness is, just one flicker of light, one match, dispels the darkness. There is no darkness that has the power to put out the light. So I learned that going into those regions of the world that it's not about me. It's the one who lives in me. Colossians 1 verse 27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. T.L. Osmond said, practice the awareness of Jesus in you, Patricia. Practice the awareness of Jesus in you. He lives in you. He speaks through you. He heals through you. Many times we think we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. You see, we think that the enemy is a threat. The enemy is no threat. I'm here to tell you why we know the enemy is no threat. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of his power may be seen of God and not of man. We house the very of God. We're couriers of him. So now, while the disciples were with Jesus, and there in the 16th chapter, I think, was it be the, of, of Matthew, Jesus is now talking to Peter or to the disciples. And he's standing, he makes this beautiful backdrop and stage, just like he does in Matthew, the 24th chapter, when they came to him and said, what shall be the signs of the times and the end of the age? Because again, the disciples are inquiring, they're inquiring. But over here in Matthew, later on, when he's there at this place, for those of you that have been to Israel, Caesarea Philippi, there was, there was this place in Caesarea Philippi that's on this big hill on a rock. And there behind that rock in Caesarea Philippi is where they worship the most, de it was the cosmic demonic headquarters historians and archaeologists 
have declared that when Satan was cast out of heaven and the angels, the fourth of the angels that went with him, are you with me? And when they came to earth, that's where they fell and that's where they made their headquarters. So there was this great big arched wall and they carved out little sections in the mountain and the deities of these different gods were placed in this area called Pan. And they came there to that mountain. That's where Moloch, Moloch was headquartered, where they would take the babies and throw it into the fire. That's where Baal, every type of God and every type of deity, every demonic, it was the front door to Satan's house. So Jesus, with his boldness, takes his disciples and out of all the places he stops at Caesarea Philippi and says to the disciples, You've been basically walking with me, but who do men say that I am? He posed the question, I believe that who do men say that I am, but he really wanted to know, who do you believe that I am? And he decides to ask this question right at Satan's front door. It's as if God was having swag. In America, we call swag, I mean, he is absolutely cool, you know? And he was standing there right at Satan's front door like, bust a move. I told you we don't speak English. He was standing there like, I dare you, cross the line, bust a move. And the disciples were standing there watching. Who do men say that I am? And Peter, the one who always open mouth, inject foot, finally gets it right. Out of his spirit, out of the place of eternity consciousness, out of the place of being spiritually minded and not carnal and not carnal and not earthly and not fleshly, Peter gets it right this time. And what he's allowing Peter to do, Peter is getting an opportunity to be on center stage that something is about to be recorded throughout history that will mark, he doesn't know at that time that the church to come is going to be built upon the revelation of what comes out of his mouth this time when he finally gets it right. Peter comes out of his spirit, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he turns to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. Upon this rock, upon this revelation, I shall build my church. Now, in the English, we use the word church. But what they heard in their ears, in the language of the day, I shall build my ecclesia, my governing body. The church is made up of covenants and rules and decrees. It's a kingdom. It's not a denomination. And he says, I will build my governing body in the earth. And as he stood there, he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So in front of Satan's front door, with every deity that where Illuminati gets their start, where the Freemasons get their start, I'm sorry, the Freemasons get their start from every type of, from Baal to, oh, you hear every type of demonic cosmic deities. And they believed in that time, Pastor, that that place was the portal to the underground world to invoke darkness. You know, like they're still doing in this country, where you're trying to go invoke different ancient, traditional, ancestral spirits to get power. Mighty quiet in this Presbyterian church. You don't need to go invoke and insult any ancestral spirits, any ancient spirits. You can't have God and Satan too. 
Either you, if God be for you, if you're on the Lord's side, come out from amongst them. This is the thing that's crazy about consulting ancestral spirits. Why would you be that stupid to go talk to an ancestral spirit when the person that was here before your ancestor lives inside of you? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're going to only go talk to somebody who lived 300 years ago or 400 years ago or 20 years ago when he told you, I am Alpha and Omega. Can we go here a little deeper? Why would you consult an ancestral spirit that has limited knowledge when he says, I'm all-knowing? Why would you consult an ancestral spirit when the one who made the ancestor, who is now a spirit, is the king of kings and the lord of lords? It's like God says, I have given you all of me. Access to all of me. And you settle. You know, when the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 and 1 Timothy 4 3, when he starts talking about how they're going to be brought into deception and men will be given to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, guess what the Hebrew word actually says? I, I, I did this the other day at the dinner table to, to explain it to, bring me two chairs here. I want to put it here so they can see if you can help me. Indulge me quickly. Two chairs in the middle. Right here. Face the congregation. Just two. Just two. Put it in the middle because I want the camera to pick it up. So when he says, the English uses the word, they trade it or they exchange. That meant in order to exchange something. So let me use, can we get two Bibles here? Two Bibles sitting here. And since you both are here, you both stand behind the chair. Both of you, one here, one here. So let's say this is the Bible. It represents God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. This represents transcendental meditation, Buddha, New Age, Illuminati, ancestral spirits, Sangoma, (laughs) Freemason. Soothsayers, tea readers, da-da-da-da-da, necromancy, da-da-da-da. So it says, when it says they made an exchange, the word says literally that, and it says, and they knew God. It is not the word knew like Adam knew Eve, like it's intimacy. That's gnosis. But when it's this knowing that it means, it means they once had a relationship with God. They once were walking with God. They once had the truth. But they decided when they saw something else that was new. And then when God didn't answer their prayers as quick as they wanted to, it wasn't enough to pray in the name of Jesus. So now you got to go to ancestral spirits. God didn't answer fast enough. So now you need to go to Sangoma. It wasn't enough to have to. So it's kind of doing like Rachel where you want God and all your other gods too. So God exposed it. He says they exchanged or like traded. So this is what they did. Say this is what you were once walking in. And now you're going to go exchange that and bring it over here. And you're going to take what you were walking in and put it over there. Both of you exchange and exchange positions. That's what it said they did. They walked away 
and made a trade deal in the realm of the spirit and said, I don't want you, God. I'd rather try something else. You haven't moved fast enough. And when they made the exchange, he said he released them. He didn't give them. He released them over to a reprobate mind. It never said he gave them a reprobate mind in Romans 1. But he released them. In other words, if this is what you want, God will never force you to serve him. God will never force you to love him. God will never force you to trust him. Say amen. He wants it out an act of your own volition. And it says when they did that, the moment they made the exchange, they immediately entered into darkness and the kind of gross darkness that was pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping to every part of their being to now their conscience was seared. There was no moral compass and no longer the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Let's give them a hand. You can put this back. Did you all see that illustration? Does it make sense? Now he says when people do that, that's one thing. But when you see your nation, when your nation says, we once believed in God, we once stood by Israel, we once legislated laws by the word of God, but we're going to exchange what we once knew and walked in for what the trend of the day is. Getting more quiet in this Presbyterian church. When you see an exchange from what we once knew, what we once did, when it's legislated as a nation and it pumps and pumps and pumps and pumps into society and pumps and pumps like cardio into culture, into education, into politics, he says, you're getting close to the end of the church age. Planeo, you see it being used again. In the first letter, in the second letter to Timothy, fourth chapters both, he says, Peter says, Paul says the same thing that Jesus says, let no man deceive you. Do not come into the seducing spirits. And the reason why he wants them to get this, remember the example I gave you earlier when he gave a particular word that means take heed. Remember the example. When he got over to Peter, I mean, to Timothy, and he now says it to T Timothy, he says, take heed earlier. But this one, he says, pay attention. Don't miss this. Like this deception, this delusion that's coming, don't sleep on it. Be aware. Be alert. But what Jesus had already done before Paul and before Peter and before Timothy, he had already modeled at Caesarea Philippi that the power of darkness has no power over light. How can I prove this? I'm going to prove it like a Philadelphia lawyer in America. You ready? Here's my case. He's standing at the front door of Satan. Every demonic, cosmic devil in his highest ranking form of demonic power is headquartered there. There has been aged principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Every type of demonic ranking was at that place. The angels that had fallen, everything was right there there. And the revelation that Peter got in the midst of darkness 
revelation still came forth. Is anybody tracking with me? So all of those deities, are you following me? Didn't have enough darkness to put out the revelation that Peter received at the front door of Satan. Now stay with me. At that point, Jesus had not gone into the regions of hell. He had not been crucified yet. He had not, re- he had not gone into take captivity captive. He had not gone into the regions of the damn and the hell and taken the keys of Satan. Life, hell, now you hear me in the grave. And taken those keys and gave them to men and gifts to men and paraded in front of Satan and his possible and all of his boys. He had not done any of that yet. He was basically giving Satan a precursor. He was giving Satan an appetizer. You just wait and see. You think that you got something on me, but this right here, my church, my church triumphant, my people who are called by my name, they that know their God shall do exploits. This treasure in earthen vessels, the power of the ecclesia, the church of the living God. It doesn't matter how much darkness you pump and pump and pump and pump throughout the earth and throughout politics and through ancestral spirits and all these my church shall continue to arise for my name shall always be holy listen he says I live inside of them and in me they will live and move and have their being Satan always underestimates the church he underestimates our worship God inhabits the praises of his people and so now by the time we get over to Revelations the 20th chapter Now we've left this church age. We leave once the rapture comes. 2,500 prophecies are in the Bible. 2,000 have been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled 300 of them. So we're in the last of the feast. So if anybody has any discernment, you would know it's time to get your house in order. It is time for the church to be more evangelistic minded than ever before. It's time for miracle signs and wonders. It's time for you not to be working with the people on your job every day and let them dominate the conversations with talking about absolutely nothing. It's time for you to operate in those nine gifts of the spirit that you have access to. It's time. Now, believers, let me talk to you. You're not, we're not going to give a demonstration of the Christ because when we leave out of here, when we are lifted and gone, the world will know we were here. And we're not going out of here with a black eye, half beaten up by the devil, barely made it to the rapture. No, we're going out church triumphant. They will know that there was an entity in the earth that is no longer here. So that means that God's going to pour out the greatest demonstration of his power, the greatest demonstration of his glory. Are you hearing me? And God is looking for a vessel to pour himself in that he can do exploits. The eyes of the Lord are searching to and through out there. But now you can't walk in this if you keep coming down to carnality. If you're having the conversations they have and you're watching the movies they watch and you're singing the songs they sing and you're hanging out where they hang out. That word is called, carnality means mixture. And when there's mixture, now the strength of the church doesn't have the strength that she should have because she's trying to be like the world. But as long as we stay separate, come out from amongst them, the power of God will always be strong in and through us. And they're looking for solutions. This is now when you operate in not just the gifts of the Spirit, but also in the fruit of the Spirit. Why is the fruit of the Spirit so important in this hour we're living in now? Because Paul the Apostle tells them that here's another sign that you can look for. 
In the last days of the church age, there will be perilous times. That word perilous times is used only two times in the New Testament. One of the places that it's used is in Matthew, the eighth chapter. And in Matthew, the eighth chapter, there's a story of two of the gospels account. One account like it was one man and another accounts like it was more than one man with a man, madman in Gadara. And when you go to Israel, you'll see this big hill where the pigs all came down and the, the demonic spirits asked, put us into the pig, you know, why have you come to torment us before our time? But this man that was living in the tombs, living in the graveyard, with gross darkness. And the Bible says he screamed and cried out, tormented all night. And the Bible says he would take stones and cut himself. That's why you see these people cutting, cutting. That's where the cutting comes from. And then historians, theologians even, say that the type of spirits that are in the original Greek, it says that they were sexual spirits. Spirits of sexual perversion. So could it be that this man or men that were bound by all these demons had opened up their eyes to pornography and opened up their eyes to pedophilia and opened up their eyes to homosexuality and opened up their eyes, are you hearing me, to sexual perversion, to those sexual perverted demons came and took over. The enemy never plays fair. Now that those demons have taken him over and they're now tormenting him and he's cutting himself and he's screaming. The Bible says that the, that area where this madman of Gadara was, it uses that word where we get the word perilous times. That word is a word that means it is so dangerous. It is so tormenting, so dangerous for anybody to go anywhere near there that everybody in that region went all the way around to avoid that area, because if anybody went anywhere near that madman, he would jump on them and beat them up. And it was considered dangerous, perilous. He used that to describe what these days would be like now. And it also means like, no matter which way you try to go, this pump darkness seems to be everywhere. In the movies, everywhere you go. But he lets the church know that even though there's going to be gross darkness and there's going to be perilous times, you stand firm in the faith. Amen. Now, turn with me over to Romans 1.18. Romans 1.18, the account given by Paul as well, it says that the wrath of God is coming upon those that were once holding the faith Let's look at this and show you where the translation got us off a bit. Romans 1, 18. Are you with me? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And I'm reading from the Hebrew Bible. So the translating is a bit different. It breaks it down for you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. In unrighteousness... They suppress the truth. Now, what does your Bible say? Does it say they hold the truth? Oh, does it say suppress as well? So it's, it, it looks like it said they held the truth, but it's not meaning held the truth. The proper word is they suppress the truth. Now, Paul is writing this to the church at Rome. Are y'all with me? So what is the church doing suppressing the truth? The church is supposed to be exposing the truth, proclaiming the truth. So let me tell you what that word suppressing the truth means. They once knew the word, 
They were once promoting the word. They were once living by the word. But the pressure from the outside of society and culture has made the church dumb down the truth so that they can be, are you hearing me? Be accepted in the club and not go through the, are y'all with me? So they are putting a lid on the truth, meaning we know we should be speaking out against things. We know that the, but the Bible says about same-sex marriage. We know what the Bible says about abortion. We know what the, are y'all hearing me? But culturally, we don't want to be, it's not politically correct. Well, I'd rather be politically incorrect and biblically sound. Because if you suppress the truth, look at what Romans says, it's happening. The wrath of God will come upon you. The wrath of God. Just recently, there was a demonstration in Turkey. I don't know if you all saw this. Where this one Islamic man stood up and began to curse Israel and drop dead. Did anyone see that in parliament? If you think that the days of Ananias and Sapphira have ended, you've got something coming. The demonstration of the church of the living God in the last days is going to be miracles, signs, and wonders. It's something that the enemy cannot do. We and the people of God were destined and we were born from miracle signs, and wonders. We were born to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. We were born to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We were born to walk around as the query of Almighty God. Things that make other people frustrated and give up and they can't take it. We're the ones that are able to endure hardness like a good soldier. When other people have lost their mind and got to go see a therapist and can't sleep at night and tormented and depressed. We're the ones that when everybody else is falling apart, we're still standing. They're trying to figure out when there's food shortage and food security, why we're not worried about anything because we know that our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we're not worried about new world order. We're not worried about AI. The reason why we're not worried about AI because the one that before AI ever came to be was the Alpha and the Omega. And hey, AI, I serve the one. AI is almighty, AI. Hey, I. Are you hearing me? We know that if our God has to take a raven, a very selfish bird, and come bring food to our house, we will have food. We know that if our God today got to bring water out of a rock, we will have water. We know that if God has to take the clothes on our back and make them last till Jesus come back, the clothes will grow with us. We know that there shall not be one feeble amongst us. Are you hearing me? We know that our eyes will not go dim. We know that our God is living on the inside of us. And we know that we are the demonstration of almighty God in the earth. And God chose us to be the ones on planet earth at the time that he's going to do the greatest demonstration. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit has left the earth, we are the the last ones that get to be the couriers with the Holy Spirit. When we get up out of here, the Holy Spirit said, y'all leaving, I'm leaving too. The Holy Spirit will no longer be in the earth after we're gone to convict the hearts of men. Now here's the question, man of God. If there's pumped darkness and men are doing perverse things like we see, they were just saying to us in the Sutu, it's coming more and more and more with men raping babies. If you see the type of things happening with the Holy Spirit in the earth to convict the hearts of men, what do you think they're going to be doing when their hearts and minds are reprobated with no moral compass and no Holy Spirit to restrain or convict them? So as I said yesterday, I don't know what train you plan on going on. There's a pre-trip train. There's a mid-trip train, 
and there's a post-trip train. I got news for you. I'm going on the first train. I don't want to be around. But now watch this. God says, I'm gathering my people. And I'm getting my people ready. And when Jesus stood before them before he left, as he gathered them, he says, go into all the world. Go into every system of the world. Preach the gospel. Don't suppress the gospel, for the wrath of God will come upon you. Romans 1. Preach the word. Preach the word. Demonstrate the word with signs following. Before Miles Monroe died, we were last in this country together. Just days before he died. He was going on to Burundi and Eswatini. And I was leaving to go into Sudan, right Val? And we were to meet in Bahamas. On the morning that we were to meet in Bahamas for International Third World, World Conference, I was preaching in Orlando, Florida, Marvin Jackson. And I had a ticket already to leave Orlando, Florida, because once you get to Florida, it's just a 30 minute flight over and you're in the Bahamas. I'd already had my ticket and Miles started texting me throughout the weekend. My daughter, continuing the faith. Mom and I are proud of you. Carry on. We will see you soon. Then he texts back again. It's now Sunday morning. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm getting ready to go preach. And after church is over, like today, I'm going to leave and go. And so we were going to go after church, go to dinner after church with the pastor. And while we're sitting at dinner, we're talking about, you're on your way to Miles Monroe, you're on the conference. We were just with him in South Africa at a leadership conference in Mama Lodi. And so at 5 in the morning, I got this, because the strongest gift you have is the listening side of prayer. In that quiet time, sometimes we spend so much time, especially in this continent. I'm coming on a Honda. I'm coming on a Honda. You tie my bow tie. You tie my toe. Subaru, Subaru, Subaru. We're so busy. And nothing wrong with speaking in tongues. You better speak in tongues more than you all now. But don't just speak in tongues and not stop and spend the equal time waiting to hear what heaven has to say to you. What has heaven saying to you? What's the interpretation? And so as listening, I heard, go back to North Carolina. It made no sense. I already got my ticket. I'm, all, I'm right here at the gate. Go back to North Carolina. So we go to dinner and I'm still hearing. And now when the pastor takes me to the airport, I'm now outside the curb getting ready to check in. And the, and the attendant says, so where are you flying today? And I'm checking in one more time. That's why Cheryl sometimes instructions come and you check back in again and again because instructions may change based on, are you hearing me? You check in, you check in, you check in. So then I'm checking in again and I still hear, go back to North Carolina. So then I have to get a ticket to go to North Carolina because I already have a ticket to go to the Bahamas. And I said, and I'm waiting the message, where are you going? And I say, North Carolina. So he pulls up my name. I see you have two reservations. And so I get, in, I get on the plane, and it's Delta, Delta Airlines, and their headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're on the East Coast, wherever you're flying, most of the time you're going to connect through Atlanta, Georgia. So I leave Orlando, Florida, get on the plane, and as I'm sitting in the plane, as the plane starts descending, I forgot to put my phone on airplane mode. Val wasn't with me. She'd have been getting on me about it. 
And as the plane starts descending, text messages start coming. Miles Monroe just crashed, plane crashed, his wife. And I'm like, no, this is impossible. He just texted me. He just texted me this morning. I would have been there. I would have been there with them. I was on my way to the same place. We would have been right with him. This is impossible. Who's playing a type of prank like this? And then someone screenshot CNN News. Miles Monroe and his wife killed in a plane crash. And now everybody's deplaning. And I'm sitting there. And I'm sitting there. And I'm remembering the words. Carry on. We will see you soon. Continue in the faith. Which tells me the hour is later than we think. Are you hearing me? So what does that mean of us as I close? You're going to be challenged more than ever for your flesh to make decisions for you. There's going to be more pressure put on you than you've ever seen in your little pretty life. One of the things that Paul said that would be an indicator in the last days is mental illness. We've never seen so many people mentally unstable. It's one of the signs. Because the enemy is after the minds of men. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 4, at least the light of the glorious gospel should shine in. So you're going to have to gird up your lawns. You can't afford not to leave your house with the armor without the armor of God on. You got to put on the helmet of salvation so it can deal with all of those things of the fiery dots that are coming against your mind, your mind, your mind. And I just shared this with my team in the back. Paul the apostle told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. Then Paul gave an example to us. These light afflictions are not to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. He wrote that after having been shipwrecked, imprisoned, bitten by snakes, we've been in Malta where it came up out of the fire. And I'm like, oh, so this is the place where it happened. You've been bitten by snakes, left in the bottom of the sea for days, persecution, betrayal of your countrymen. And you have a nerve to say these light afflictions? Which of you have been in prison for your faith? When was the last time you've been bitten by a snake? When was the last time you were stoned and left for dead? When was the last time you've been in the bottom of the ocean? And then I love this one. He says, sometimes fasting and sometimes hunger. Fasting means I chose not to eat. Hunger says there ain't no food. <laughs> so he's giving us a gauge to gauge ourselves. You're going to have to mature. Does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. Do we get frustrated? Yes, we're frustrated. Do we get tired? Yes, we're tired. Do sometimes in ministry dealing with these people called church folks, which are a rare breed of people, you are, but without ministry, without people, there is no ministry. So we got to know how to endure. We need temperance. We need long suffering. We need patience. We need the love of God. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need long suffering because every part of your flesh and your being and your mind is going to say, I'm done with you. 
But what you don't realize, as the word of God says, let the wheat grow up with the tear. Because God is the only one that can see the maturation stage of mankind. That you'll now cut off a wheat thinking it's a tear. They tell us in the agricultural world that a wheat and a tear looks just alike. But as you give it a little bit of time, there's a part on the tear, a part on the wheat that looks just like the tear. But that little piece breaks off after it gets mature, mature, and needed a little bit more time to mature. And if you would have cut it off based on the way they're acting, acting like they lost their mind, you would have cut them off as a tear when they were really a, really a weak wheat. And as they begin to grow up, like the example given with Saul and Barnabas and John Mark. Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. When there was a dissension between Paul, at the time Saul, and Barnabas, John Mark, his cousin, Barnabas, went back to Antioch. The reason why Paul says, I'm not taking him with me in this next mission, because Paul had perceived that this mission, and I'm talking to my team now, I can't take anybody with me that's not mature. I can't take anybody with me that's weak. I can't take anybody with me that's flying too low. Where this church is going, I prophesy. There's getting ready to be mass expansion in this church. Get ready for several services because something is going to happen as I close out and pray for every last one of you that you start realizing the lateness of the hour and that one of the signs of the end of the age, according to Matthew 24, 18, it's 24, 14, he says, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the world and then and then and then shall the end come. What end? The end of the church age, which means it's going to be the greatest demonstration of the power of Almighty God, which means one day the church is going to wake up and realize that our problem is not who we are, but who we think we are not. We're going to start realizing what's on the inside of us and stop taking the power of God on our job and never take one day to share him and tell him about the other people about Jesus. You see how tormented they are. You see what they're going through. You're afraid about being politically correct. You're afraid that they won't invite you to lunch. They think that you're, you're overboard. They think you're crazy anyway. They're talking about you behind your back anyway. You might give them something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. You're going to see the kind of expansion that you've never seen before. The miracle signs and wonders are going to increase in this place. People are going to be coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because even in the midst of all the pump, 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 pump darkness that Paul talks about in the book of Romans, the more the darker the earth gets, the Bible says that the grace of Almighty God, for where sin abound, grace does much more abound. You're going to have to be able to walk and endure hardness and be centered and check in with heaven and be long-suffering and be eternity-minded and be spiritually-minded. You're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to have to know that the power of the Holy Ghost, that all power in heaven and earth has been given unto you in his name. How do we demonstrate that after the benediction on Sunday mornings and the other services? You're in the grocery store line, and the person in front of you, you see them counting up their money, and she's struggling, and she's got three kids, and she's taking stuff out of the cart and putting stuff there and put, taking other stuff out because they don't have enough. And the Holy Spirit says, pay for it, and then tell her, that the divorce that you're going through right now, where your husband left you, 
Stay the course. God is not finished with him yet, nor you. And they turn and weeping like, how did you know? Or you're at work, and he tells you to go into the next office. And as a person that's new on the job, and you don't fully know them yet, and you go and say, your daughter who tried to commit suicide last night, God wants you to know that that's the spirit of suicide. It's not in the natural. But I serve a God that has the power to break that off of your daughter's life. May I pray with you? When they start seeing the miracle signs and wonders operating in your life, stand to your feet and put your hand on your belly. Can we begin to play? Everyone with your hand on your belly. I want you in a few seconds to start praying in the Holy Spirit, but before you do, as she begins to play, I want you to understand that God save the best for last. And for the mere fact that you're in this church, and for the mere fact that you're in the kingdom of Almighty God, and for the mere fact that you're born in this age and this time, are you all with me? Means that he put something inside of you that's for this age, that's for this time. This church is a city set upon a hill in the realm of the spirit. And no matter what the enemy tries to release in the earth, there is no power. As he told Peter, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So there's something inside of you that is about to be awakened. And for some of you, your salt has lost its savor. But Matthew 5.13 says that we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, it's henceforth good for nothing except to be trampled underfoot by men. But right when the devil thinks that he's played his best hand, he ends up overplaying his hand because God knows the end of the book. And in Revelation, the 20th chapter, and even in the 19th chapter, I love to go back to keep myself eternity-minded, Cheryl, myself eternity-minded, Erica, that we come back with him riding on a white horse and tattooed on his thighs as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we come back to rule and to reign with him throughout eternity. And then in Revelation, the 20th chapter, Satan, the false prophet and the beast will be thrown into the lake of fire throughout eternity. And then everything that God wanted in the earth, his governess, his plan, his kingdom, it shall be made manifest in the earth and the people that are going to execute the kingdom of God in the earth are his people called by his name, which means we endured according to Revelations 2 and 22 and 24 that we endured to the end. And not only did we endure to the end, but we returned back with him because the power of God that's on the inside of us, the church triumphant, the church triumphant is connected to and living in and with and
the God who is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever holy. And the holy God that lives on the inside of you wants to wake up you on the inside. He wants to manifest himself in and through you. For you didn't call him. He called you. And he ordained you to go forth and to bear fruit that shall remain. And we shall reign with him throughout eternity and forever he shall be holy. The word holy means to be a cut above, a standard above the world, not like everyone else. Come out from amongst them, be ye separate. I called you to be separate. I called you to be separate. I called you not to fit in, not to blend. I called you to be separate. And there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will convict the hearts of men because you're in the kingdom during a time that will be labeled in eternity as the greatest age of the harvest. So this is the time that more people will have the opportunity to get saved than any other dispensation. More will get saved now than in the millennial. More will get saved now while the Holy Spirit is in the earth and while you're in the earth with the Holy Spirit than ever, 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 ever again. You are living on the greatest crest of time. You've been entrusted by Almighty God to be his ambassador in the earth, to represent him to those that do not know him. So I'm asking you to square your shoulders back and with your hand on your belly I want you to lift up your head and square your shoulders back and I want to remind you of whose you are who's living on the inside of you now let's pray in the Holy Ghost